Hi, folks. We're back at it again with yet another Wildlife for You podcast. Last week, my co-host and fellow wildlife biologist, Daryl Radajak, and I discussed some management actions that were taken by multiple government agencies involving a very beautiful and mm, somewhat notable grizzly we call 399. Now, I will say that particular episode, I can't hardly talk today, so y'all bear with me, that particular episode turned out to be one of our most popular episodes right out of the gate, simply because there really is this huge following of this particular bear. And well, people obviously, they wanna see a happy ending. So Dee, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there like over 100 shares and 50,000 Facebook views in the first week? And isn't it already in like the top five of our most listened to podcast episodes? That is true. So tell me Dee, were you surprised at the amount of interest that we're seeing in that episode? Honestly, not at all. <laughs> I've been, I've been telling you all along, stuff that bears, bears are where it's at. They're like our proverbial bread and butter. <laughs> See, if if only you would like listen to me or listen to me sooner, because at least you now know why I'm always sneaking those bear plugs in in like every single episode that we do. Okay, first off, let's never talk about sneaking a bear plug in. Second off. <laughs> um, <laughs> What is our overall number one wildlife for you episode? Uh, well, that would be the, the crazy cougar from Utah episode. And how much more popular is that episode over the 399 episode? Uh, now, now you're cheating because that one's like six times more popular. But uh, well, no, wait, no, no buts. Um, what's our second most popular episode ever? The Black Panther and Cougar episode. <laughs> all right. I think I think you're starting to rub this in now. So what's your point with all of this? Well, the point is that cougars and all other animals rock too. I agree. And anyway, we, we pride ourselves on being apex predator specialists, not just bear specialists. Think about it. You know, what's the fun if we're only focused on one species? Uh, that is an excellent point, my friend. Um, I do like the whole apex predator specialty thing we have going on. So anyway, kudos to you for opening my eyes beyond bears. I'm sure it'll be short lived. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will too. But having said that, do you want to get today's episode rolling? Uh, no, why don't you go ahead and start it up? Because once again, today's episode was your brainchild. Well, today, folks, we are going to do an offshoot from last week's episode. If you recall, we were discussing the events surrounding Grizzly Bear 399 and the fact that her and her four cubs were, they're getting themselves into some pretty precarious predicaments. Ooh, nice alliteration. Pretty precarious predicament. I myself, I think I would have said something like they were climbing a slippery slope into some slick and sensitive situations. Are you doing this or am I? I'm sorry. <laughs> Carry on. You know how I love alliterations. It's not my fault. It's a thing. All right. All right. So as we were both saying, uh, $3.99, she was getting herself and her cubs into some really bad situations. She was recently discovered. And when I say recently, I'm talking about just a, a month or so ago. But she was recently discovered raiding like apiaries or as most people know them as beehives, um, but she was also getting herself into 
some unsecured like livestock feed on the outskirts of Jackson Hole and and just getting her herself into places she really shouldn't be. And so it was only a matter of time before she would be raiding other sources of what we call anthropogenic or uh, what we call human provided foods. So her and her cubs were on a really, really bad course, one that could even eventually get them killed. Yeah, yeah. And fortunately, the interagency grizzly bear team decided to act. So up until that point, they could really only be reactive to the situation. So like when a landowner would call and report a grizzly getting to, into their, their things, or in this case, it was three ninety nine dollars and her cubs, at that point, it's often too late because the bear has most likely already secured a food reward. So the damage um, proverbially and literally has already been done. So this multi-agency team, they, they took on this very complex and difficult task of trying to collar 399, who keep in mind has four cubs that each weigh in around 250 pounds. So you're talking about a lot of pounds of bears around. Um, but this way, if, if she was radio collared, they could try to see where she was going and then hopefully cut her off at the pass well before she got herself into trouble. So in other words, they were trying to be proactive with management in order to help, help, help is the key word here, folks, to help her and her cubs out. And if you don't mind me adding here, Steph, I think that multi-agency team, they did a spectacular job given the circumstances. Like you said, five bears is a whole lot of bears and the odds of capturing all of them or the exact one that you want is pretty difficult. And they managed that whole situation stupendously. Now, I will say, although they weren't able to capture 399 herself, they were able to capture three out of the four cubs that she had. And so they did their workups. They they did what they normally do when they capture a bear. And they were able to take two of her cubs and fit them with radio tracking collars. Now, since all of those bears, 399 and her four cubs, are still traveling as a family group, this will still obviously serve the intended purpose of seeing where that family is heading and trying to help them, like you said, stay out of trouble. Uh, but needless to say, we rehashed all of this on our previous episode, you know, that really, really popular one, um, which, which leads us, I got a cough coming up, so I'll try to trudge through this, but it, it leads us to this really interesting idea when it comes to bear management. So Steph, let me ask you a question. When it comes to managing animals, well, heck, when it comes to managing most things, is it better to be proactive or reactive? Uh, okay. Before you answer, before you answer. Go ahead and cough. Or... <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. Oh, my ears, my ears. Anyway, all right. Well, I imagine that there's actually, there's cases for both actions, obviously, but I'm going to go ahead and hazard a pretty logical guess here and say that the overwhelming majority of air quotes, better solutions is probably going to lean towards being proactive to issues rather than reactive. But like I said, there's cases for both, but in other words, preventing an issue from occurring is almost always a way better approach than trying to deal with the consequences of an issue after it occurs. We see this, like you said, this isn't just about animal and wildlife management. I mean, if you think about it, uh, well, since you just coughed, if you feel, you know, if, if you're being very proactive and, and trying to stay healthy, 
then it's a lot easier to, to keep doing that than try to manage a disease if it happens to occur because of something unhealthy, you know? So it's, yeah, proactive. Proactive is the way to go. You just called me unhealthy. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> anyway, I had to think about that one, but I am so glad that you, you sided with the whole proactive side because otherwise this is going to be a really, really short episode. <laughs> the end. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, um, so tell us what's rattling around in that tiny but wonderful brain of yours. Well, that I, I, you know, I mean that with love. I would never insult you like that. Yeah, you, well, <laughs> you say something, and then you say, "I would never do that." <laughs> anyway, um, I got to thinking a little bit more about this whole approach of cutting off three ninety nines bad behavior before it's too late. I, I think that's that's such a fantastic way of making sure she stays out of trouble and doesn't teach her cub some really, really bad habits, which then they would teach to their offspring and so on and so forth. So it, it, it's, they're trying to nip a big problem in the bud, but here's the catch to all of this. You know, as well as I, how frustrating, how completely frustrating it is when we as wildlife biologists, we are asked, to focus all of our attention or all of our resources on one single bear, or in this case, one single bear and her family. Now, don't get me wrong. Please, please, please don't get me wrong. We, we definitely want the best for that individual bear or that handful of bears in this case. But as biologists, our ultimate goal is looking out for the entire species. As you can imagine, and you know this stuff, I'm, I'm talking to you, but I'm trying to teach the public or the, our listeners, our resources, as whether or not we're government agencies or conservation groups or whatever, our resources are typically extremely limited. And dedicating a good portion of those resources to focus on only a few individual bears, it's not ideal especially when we're trying to look out for every single bear that's out there. Let me, let me jump in here real quick and make sure everybody's on the same page here. So when we're talking about managing the resources, or in this case, managing the bears, you have to understand that animals for the most part do not need our help whatsoever at all, period, end of story, no handouts, no nothing. They don't need our help. They've been surviving just fine without man's intervention for hundreds of thousands of years. You know, all they need is good habitat to survive and quite literally they will do the rest. So in other words, all they need is good bear country in this case. The management comes in when they come into conflict with humans. And that's often where we spend an inordinate amount of our, our resources trying to deal with that conflict. And in almost every situation, that conflict that usually involves bears getting into, like Daryl said, like into anthropogenic foods, you know, human food sources or things that could be construed by a bear as a food source that's still provided by humans that are around people establishments, I'll say. So I guess a good way of saying that is that conflict generally occurs in human country, you know, around people's dwellings and homes oh. and barns and things. Uh, uh thank you thank you thank you for saying that and that right there is exactly what i want to talk about today and, and i love how you defined or at least you mentioned 
bear country in one breath and then human country in a different breath. But, but before we talk about that, let me first go back to, to how agencies or how biologists are asked to manage this conflict when it occurs. Now, I'm going to need your help with this real quick. Okay. Well, I'll try what you need. All right. Actually, this should be pretty easy, but explain to me how a typical quote unquote bear call would go. And what I mean by this is, why would someone from the public pick up the phone and call an agency to report or to ask for help with a bear problem or a bear issue? Yeah, okay, that is that is actually pretty easy. So in fact, let me go ahead because I can actually come up with a few different scenarios right off the top of my head. So um, Grandma Mabel, she goes out to fill up her bird feeders and she sees that they're all torn down because some little hungry yearling found an easy meal. Or um, how about Farmer Jed? He's all upset because Mama Bear and her cubs camped out in his barn where he keeps all of his chicken feed and they had themselves a little feast. Or, ooh, better yet. So accountant Karen is raising cane because some 300 pound bear tore the new leather seats out of her, you know, 2022 Audi Q4 e-tron. And she left us all because she left like a Starbucks uh, crumbs and, and things on the, on the dash from her bagel. Okay. That, that, that was good. Um, in fact, that was perfect because in every one of those scenarios, the, the bird feeders, the chicken feed, and I think you mentioned a Starbucks bagel. <laughs> Does Starbucks even have bagels? <laughs> Just go with it. You're on a roll. <laughs> Sorry, bagel roll. <laughs> no, a... Oh my gosh. <laughs> you amuse yourself in so many ways. <laughs> anyway, going back to like the, the bird feeder, the, the chicken feed, the, the crumbs from a bagel or a roll in this case, in every one of those situations, um, a bear was attracted to an air, to an area like a human area. So, what kind of management? If this bear comes to this area because of this attractant, what kind of management is the ed agency having to undertake? Are, are they being reactive or are they being proactive? That's every single one of us would say, oh, that's reactive, of course. You know, because the bear has already received a food reward. And now the agency has to deal with the leftovers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a pun pun like frenzy here. Um, anyway, they have to deal with the leftovers. Excuse the pun of that issue. Exactly, and uh, you you are on a roll. I keep it up. <laughs> keep it up. So anyway, we all know how poorly reactive management goes, especially with bears. Now, when, when that agency is called in to that particular scene, whichever one it may be, the agency may try trapping and moving the bear. They also could come in and possibly try hazing the bear. If the bear is still around, they might try to haze it away to keep it from coming back. Hazing, to define real quickly, is more or less scaring it away with various means. Um, but sadly, Steph, in, in many situations, especially those situations where that bear is too far gone, like it's breaking into a house, and that bear literally has no fear whatsoever of humans, and 
that, that behavior of breaking into vehicles and buildings is just so well established. Well, unfortunately for those bears, if an agency reacts to a bear that has broken into someone's domicile, as uh, I'm going to call it, those bears are often euthanized in those situations, in those situations because we can't unteach them that behavior and it is a true threat and menace to the public. Now, I will say many agencies try being proactive by educating the public about living in bear country, but Steph, how would you say those efforts are going? And <laughs> hold on, I got a cough again and I will, <clears throat> I'll try to get rid of that one. Um going to start demanding that you bring water with you. Anyway, what did you ask me? You asked me, oh, how the, the efforts are going with the, the proactive education stuff. I mean, considering that we have all this, this conversation about the management actions that like the agencies have to take, I would say that those proactive things they're trying to teach people how to do is probably not going so swell. You know, um, I do hope everyone understands there is a lot of really great bear education material out there from various agencies, um, as well as like some nonprofits and things like that. And it teaches a lot of people, but it doesn't reach everybody. And honestly, some of the people that it does reach, they simply don't care enough to be responsible stewards of wildlife. And that's the problem because all it takes is one person to actually create a bear problem. Um, and if we're being totally honest, it's it's not really a bear problem, it's a people problem because the, the humans are the ones that can't, you know, can't, don't, won't, I don't know what the right word is here, but they won't take the actions that they need to. And they're the ones causing the issues in most cases. And I'm, I'm telling you right here, Daryl, I could actually go on a tangent right here um, because this is a, a one of those hot spots with me, but, Again, I'll just, I'll say wildlife management, it's still about managing the people and people are tough nuts to crack. I wanna hear your tangent. I mean, I used to joke and I'm sure that you and I have joked, if, if we could teach the bears to read the signage and the pamphlets, we'd probably never have problems again. But people, there, there's lots of great people and, and we'll, I, we'll probably, I, I feel like we could really incorporate this into the overall conversation, but you know, People do things for different motives. A bear does things that it does because it's hungry, it's sleepy, it's thirsty, it's cold, it's hot, or it's uh, looking for love. I, I, I see exactly where you're going. I, I think you are spot on. And, and this is absolutely going to lead further on down this conversation because it, let, let's get back to <clears throat> what I was asking about, about that that whole education standpoint. Do, do you see the fatal flaw in that current approach of trying to educate the public? You, you more or less just mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, besides the fact that it's reactive? Well, that reactive is definitely a flaw, but I was actually leaning towards something else. And what are you leaning towards? Well, when when we're, we're looking at educating the public about behavior. So there's two sides to <clears throat> Greg Brady there. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Brady, that, <clears throat> that's definitely getting edited. <laughs> no, you gotta leave that, that was beautiful. <laughs> <clears throat> that was that frog in my throat, just so you know, I, I don't normally do that, but because I, I've had this tickle in the back of my throat. So, so anyway, there's two sides to this whole education thing. 
because th there's there's this people side that we're trying to educate the people, but there's also a bear side of it. All, all we ever talk about is the people side and what they should do in bear country. Now, you know as well as I how hard it is to influence people. You were just talking about it with your tangent. Um, people don't listen. They have other motives. They, they've got other things going on. They're not going to pay attention. So people are a problem when you're trying to educate them because you're never, ever going to reach everyone. So imagine a program where we can actually try to influence the bears because even you said they could be a whole lot better listeners they they might actually listen to this message um okay so carry on <laughs> okay <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't there, want to follow you because i am following you but you know it, it, okay. the, the, the picture you just painted had this cute little classroom with all these little bears sitting on their little fat rock <laughs> to somebody lecture them with a powerpoint presentation gotcha okay here maybe i'll clarify it so let me put it this way we have all these rules to follow when we are in quote unquote bear country correct correct now you also mentioned that most of the conflict that we have to deal with as a management agency that conflict occurs when bears come around our property what you call, quote unquote, human country. Wouldn't it be great if we could send a message to bears that bears will listen to <laughs> telling the bears to keep out of human country? Now, now, truth be told, I, I can't take all the credit. I, I actually heard Kim DeLosier, who's, if you don't know, Kim is the retired bear biologist from Great Smoky Mountain National Park. True wonder of uh, bear management. He's fantastic. But Kim mentioned this to me many years ago where he said, he goes, you know, Daryl, there are places that bears shouldn't go. They have to know where their country ends and human country begins. And I remember that it's, it's stuck in my mind. And if there's anyone that knows anything about bear-human conflict, it's Kim. And I never quite realized how absolutely ingenious his statement was. Now, where I'm going is if bears were warned or made aware that when they're getting into those human areas, if, if they had like Q, <laughs> they can probably be taught to stay away from those human areas or human country. And overall, that should reduce conflict because that's where that conflict occurs. And like I said, it... If we could teach the bears, bears would probably listen to us a whole lot better than humans would. Okay, so let me just let me let me make sure I'm I'm picking up what you're laying down here. So human country would be defined as anywhere we don't want bears, such as you know immediate areas around our homes, which by the way is also known as a, a cartilage. But we also don't want bears in our cars. We definitely don't want them raiding our outbuildings, you know, like our, our sheds or our barns or even those apiaries or beehives for that matter. That's that's what you're defining yeah. here as human country, right? Yeah, those are absolutely perfect. Those, those are human buildings or human structures that we definitely don't want bears going. But I would even go so far to say that 
most neighborhoods where the where the houses are you know the neighborhoods you love where the houses are really close together that that entire area would qualify as human country we don't want bears in neighborhoods so we don't the bottom line is we don't want bears being comfortable in areas where humans are there all the time they're, they're the dominant force on that landscape literally 24 hours a day Okay, so what you're saying here is there's a different set of rules for human country. Well, maybe not necessarily a different set, but I firmly believe our current education program, bear education program, we're, we're lacking some of the most important rules. Now, we still need humans as much as possible to reduce the amount of attractants in human country. In fact, that's pretty much all the bear education is, is how to secure your attractants to prevent bears from, from coming into human country. But we also need, and, and this is where I'm leaning, we also need to firmly stake our claim to make sure that bears, they've, that bears feel unwelcome in human country. In, in other words, we don't want bears getting, getting up onto our porches or breaking into our cars or getting in the trash or, or those outbuildings that you mentioned. Um, you, you see all the pictures of bears in swimming pools and around grills. It, anyway, it's it's horrific. It, the, the worst case scenario of all that is we don't want bears breaking into our homes. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because it it seems like it's all the rage on social media these days when it comes to bears. You know, that, that these people get their cell phones and they video the bears doing exactly those things that you were just talking about. Excuse me? <laughs> How would how would you even know that if you're supposedly never on social media? I'm not, but I do usually <laughs> usually look at um, at all those videos you send me. Sometimes it's a lot, so that's why I'll say usually. But anyway, it it gets on my nerves when you send me those things because it gets on my nerves when people take videos of bears, you know, like you just said, getting to the barbecue uh, grill and climbing into the, the the pool or the kiddie pool or you know. Um, opening up car doors it, it people are and they're sitting there like they're filming this stuff and they're giggling and being all oh my gosh look at the bear and oh this is great and they're just filming the bear doing that totally in the background and it, it is a totally inappropriate action oh my gosh you have no idea how much that bothers me those, those videos so wait so wait, so you send me those videos because misery loves company? Is that what you're telling yes, me? Yes, I'm not going to be <laughs> miserable by myself, so I got to make you miserable. So I send you those That's videos. Sweet. You're welcome. Anyway, <laughs> you have no idea how much those videos bother me because here it is, these folks, whether or not they're tourists or they live there and they're videotaping the bears in the pool or on the porch and they're laughing and they're calling the family and friends and sharing this video and everyone is literally laughing at a bear's death sentence. They, they truly don't realize that they're killing that bear by letting that bear have free range in the human country. If, if we can only get folks to, to maybe take that quick picture, understand it's, it, oh my gosh, there's a bear. All right, get a picture of the bear. But then after you do that, do whatever you could to make that beer, that beer, <laughs> <laughs> to make that bear feel unwelcome there. 
I, obviously, we would want folks to do this in a very safe manner, but all they really need to do, if a bear's on their back porch, bang pots and pans, set off your car alarm, yell at the bear, whistle at the bear, do something, make that bear feel uncomfortable being in that human country, being around your house. You, you got to make them not want to be there. But that's the problem, D. You know, all that bear education material that's already out there, it never really goes into that, you know, how to do those things. So the public, you know, they, they generally don't know any better. And I, and I will say also to, to, when you said to snap a picture and then, you know, get onto the bear. So if you're going to like post that to social media, snap, you know, Hey, I snapped this picture and make sure everybody knows. And then I scared the bear away because otherwise you're, no, video, to it. Yeah, I would love to start, oh. a camp, start a campaign where people post videos of them scaring bears off their porches. I, yeah, I don't think you're going to get that to happen because <laughs> you're going to have all of those super passionate people that are misguided and they're going to start a, a raging backlash against those individual people who are trying to do the right thing. And you and I are used to that kind of pressure. We're used to being called everything under the, the sun, yep. but you know, just joke you public. If you're listening out there and you find yourself in a situation, we, I would love that too. I would absolutely send, love yeah. just like Carol send, put that picture out there, you know, put that video out there. Of, here's the bear doing their thing. Here's me scaring the bear away because it does show that you're responsible, but just be prepared to have to deal with what Daryl and I have to deal with. But yes. no, I agree. That, send, your, send your video to me and I'll take, I'll claim that I did it if you're if you don't want the backlash because I am happy to say I am trying to save a bear's life. So yeah, yeah. But anyway, so all those agencies with the material that they already put out, they are really good at touting all of those proactive measures. But they really, really need to also tout with just as much vehemence those reactive uh, measures that the, the general population can take too. Because yes, people. People know they're supposed to secure their trash and they're supposed to put away their bird feeders. But if a bird comes around their property for whatever reason, there's no common instruction for, can I, for can, them. You, you know? can, I, can I correct you real quick? You just, yeah. yeah, you just said about their bird feeders and if a bird comes around their property, that's what they want. Did I, <laughs> did I just say a bird? Sorry, yes. I'm a bird-minded person. We all know that. Anyway, sorry, put away their bird feeders. If a bear comes around, um, bird good, bear bad when it comes to bird feeders. So anyway, um, but a, again, just take take the pictures or videos that you want to post um, and then scare the bear away. Because right now, the way that it seems to go is people are taking pictures and videos. And like Daryl said, they're letting the bear have free reign. Yeah. And, and truth be told, folks, that's what is inevitably killing the bears. So why don't we try to strive to make a change? Why, why don't we strive to be proactive in preventing a bear from getting to that point of no return? And again, I'm going to refer to Kim Deloge as, as well as some of the research that he did in the park. He, he taught me that the sooner you can get to a bear before bad habits start, the more likely you are to change their behavior. And that's why the park service, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, they started doing those, they, they would catch a bear. They, they were doing these full body workups whenever they would like catch a bear in a picnic area or a campground because that's the park's version of human country. And that's 
that's where they were saying, hey, this is not where you are supposed to be, bear. And and yeah. so they would catch it and have this truly negative interaction with the bear and the bear would hopefully never return to that to yeah. that picnic area. We probably need to explain that a full body workup is generally just they're they're getting information about the bear and the bear's health and age and all of this other stuff, but it's kind of the same <laughs> amount of uncomfortableness as going to a, yeah. a doctor. Yeah, where they're poking, prodding, and maybe putting fingers where they don't belong kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it definitely leaves it, you feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not a massage. <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, they're not like going out there and when they say a full body workup, you're out there, you know, beating on the bear or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know what, you know what, do you know what I like most about this whole idea that, that you've got going on here? What's that? The most beautiful element of this is that it does not require absolutely everyone to participate. You know, as long as there's enough people, enough of us out there that are willing to make bears feel uncomfortable every time they're around our human developments, it's most likely going to have a positive effect on that bear's behavior and teach them to stay away because they don't know it's my house, your house, or, you know, Farmer Johnson's house. They just know it's a house and they know if they're consistently having in those uncomfortable experiences around human developments in human country, it'll teach them to stay away from all of those elements of human country, hopefully. But on the flip side, and this is why I, I absolutely love this approach, that passive proactive approach about, you know, securing all of those attractants, literally that requires everyone, like absolutely everybody to be on board because one person who doesn't do those things can spoil the entire neighborhood, you know? That is such a great point. And, and that's one of the things I've been stressing is one of the failures of the current approach is you need everyone and it is impossible to get everyone. So having said all that, I, I will say I have seen a few things recently and I can't remember where I saw them, um, but it, it was the first time I ever saw it suggested that people try to scare a bear away from an area. Um, and I wish I could remember, it, it was it was within the last month or two, and, and it was like, oh, and by the way, scare the bear away, which which I thought was great. It's it's the baby step. It's step one of of defining human country and and making that bear feel uncomfortable. But I do have a feeling the re the reason we haven't seen a ton of that, I have a feeling there's a lot of agencies that are they're probably uncomfortable with providing that direction because it's like, take on the bear. No, we're not telling anyone to take on the bear. We're telling people to scare it away, blow a whistle, yell at it, make um, sound your car alarm. Um, all of that can be done safely if you do it the right way. We don't want anyone putting themselves in a bad situation. Um, so if, if those agencies are worried, all, all they really have to do is recommend that people Stay inside their home to make the noise. Do, do whatever you need to make that bear feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, you know, we're always preaching about carrying bear spray, you know, when you're actually hiking in bear country, especially if you're in grizzly, grizzly country um, or any, any time actually that you're worried about running into a bear, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's sage advice. Okay, so wouldn't it be great if we could start sponsoring that same message and get people to have like air horns or other deterrents um, on hand around their home, you know, kind of like standard equipment, just like it's standard equipment. If you're hiking in bear country that you have bear spray, it's standard equipment at home to maybe have an air horn. Plus, I mean, 
I mean, being honest, there's air horns. That sounds like a really fun thing to keep around. I mean, it's oh my gosh, not, not just for the bears, but I could see many uses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm All of them would same, only be good once, but yeah, I'm seeing those same uses now. As you were talking about that stuff, the, the one thing we have to stress, and, and I don't think we mentioned it, this doesn't mean that you can try scaring a bear and like with an air horn or or yelling at it or a car horn or whatever and still leave your the, the garbage laying out on your back porch you still have to eliminate that reward because you heard of habituation a, a bear as long as they're getting a reward and they're not having too bad of a ne negative stimulus uh, if the bear's still getting in your garbage can he'll learn to disregard the air horn so it is, it is not a one or the other. It's not scare the bear or remove attractants. It is both. You have to remove the attractants and you have to scare the bear. And that's the only way we can teach them to stay out of human country. So it is, like I said, it's not a one or the other. It's a both approach. But right now we're only given one side of that, of, of that coin. So yeah. And like you said, not everybody, there's no way we're going to reach everybody when it comes to being proactive and securing those those attractants so the people who are doing part a already go ahead and incorporate part b yeah but just, but just yeah th think about part b the, that negative stimulus that, that's scaring that bear how awesome that would be because just just look at say electric fencing and how effective it is that right there it, it's a really effective deterrent for teaching a bear what is where the boundary for human country is. It, it literally teaches them to stay away from this specific area. Heck, and it's it's such a minor thing. People, people even use this tiny little electric wire around their camp when they're when they're hiking or backpacking in some of the most heavily populated grizzly areas in the world. And that tiny little wire works quite well because it, it establishes a boundary between bear country and human country. And so I think all we need to do here, Steph, we just need to figure out how to better market this idea of trying to keep bears out of human country. We, we, we see all these signs of you're in bear country. Let's hang signs around our house saying you're in human country, bears stay away. <laughs> so Again, when, when I'm talking about human country, I'm referring to like our houses, our cars, our outbuildings. There's just way too many people out there that think it's cute when they see bears in those areas. And that's what's wrong with this whole situation. Mm -hmm. So are we about done with this topic? Oh, gosh, no. There's so much work to be done. So I, I hope you, clear, you cleared your schedule for next week. I was about, okay, so I have cleared my schedule for next week, but it's not for podcasting. So shall I then say, are we about done with this episode then? Uh, that depends. Is there anything else you want to talk about regarding human country? You know what? Yeah, actually, I think that there is. It just dawned on me that we spent about 30 minutes discussing scaring bears or making bears feel uncomfortable. Yeah, that was the point. Okay, so our listeners are probably some of the biggest bear-loving group of people on the entire planet. Uh, because they're our listeners, I'd like to think they're they're probably some of the most well-educated bear lovers on the entire planet as well. 
Okay, well, that that they are, um, but they're probably not really enjoying this message um, when when we're talking about something that they may see as being intentionally mean to bears. And and we talked about that. We we briefly mentioned it, but I think that's a great point to reiterate. It, here's the thing with that, Steph, is we don't want people being mean for the sake of being mean. There's enough of those people out there. Um, but in this on this particular issue, there's a very distinct reason and a very exact time for it. If they see, for for example, if they see a bear in bear country, they're, they're out on a hike, they're in the country, they're uh, in a national park, wherever they may be, they're in bear country, and you see a bear, enjoy it. Take pictures, make memories. Let, let that bear go about being a bear and enjoy and savor every second of that. If, however, you see a bear in what we just defined as human country, where around houses, around cars, porches, uh, th that place close by to that, that human development, think of this being quote unquote mean as a way of trying to save the bears. Because that is literally what you're trying to do. And I imagine all of our listeners would love the idea of saving a bear. So if they are able to teach that bear that hanging around houses or barns or cars or neighborhoods is not a good thing, I can almost guarantee you have definitely made a positive impact on that bear's life. Just call it tough love, but it's still love for those bears. Tough love. I like that. So thank you. I, I am glad that we clarified that. Uh, so now, now I'm good if we start wrapping things up. So um, we've, we've gone a bit long. Do you have any shout outs this week, Dee? We do. This episode will drop on Thanksgiving Day, and I hope everyone does have a wonderful holiday with family and friends or whoever Isn't you may. like your birthday time too? No, not, not today. Do you know when? Tomorrow. Oh, you got so lucky. Good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, th this episode will be dropping on Thanksgiving, and everyone knows what the Friday after the Thanksgiving is. And it's not my birth. Well, it is my birthday, but that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. It is Black Friday. And so what I will be releasing along with this podcast is a very, very special Black Friday deal on our upcoming webinars. So if you've never done it before, you want to see what these webinars are all about, uh, check out our Facebook page because I'll, I'll be providing information about what we're doing. Now, understand if you listen to this episode in two, three months from now and it's nowhere near Black Friday, there's no deal. So um, <laughs> listen away, listen fast and, and take advantage to, to what we have to offer. They're fantastic webinars. So Shout out to all the Black Friday shoppers. Hopefully you'll check out the wildlife for you and, and pick up a great Christmas gift for you or your family or friends. So that's my shout out. Steph, you got any shout outs? Um, well, first off, yes. I would like to give a shout out to my best friend and co-host who has a birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Glad I didn't forget. I am terrible with birthdays. Anyway, um, I also want to give a shout out to those listeners who are stepping up and helping us fight that good fight. You know, we've seen a bit of evidence of that lately, and and it, we it to the depths of our soul, we appreciate that. 
um, it is a tough battle uh, when you're dealing with a lot of very uh, passionate people who let those passions override their good logic. So, and, but I, I don't want to ramble about that. So with that, I would like to say that we would like to thank everybody for spending some time with us and talking about bears in human country. Um, remember to recommend our podcast or, um, you know, our online presence and social media presence at wildlife for you and help us spread the word and do all of those good things for wildlife and the wildlife habitats in our world. So remember when it comes to wildlife, Actually, rephrase that according to today's episode. And remember, folks, when it comes to bears, if you find them getting too comfortable in human country, scare the bleepity bleep out of them. (laughs) (laughs) Bleepity bleep. You're such a goober. Anyway, remember, folks, when it comes to wildlife, your knowledge and your actions often mean their existence. Have a good one, everybody. You got any good jokes or anything? Dude, everybody just heard my ideas of great jokes with those corny, cheesy puns at the beginning. But those are the things I love. <laughs> you blew your wad five minutes if into you, it. <laughs> if you are what you eat, we all know that I am flaming hot and cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs>